Okay. So we are back. And um, And... we're doing, (laughs) based on the, um, you know, recent success of our previous episode, where we um, spent some time reading Laura's recent writing and unpacking the, um, you know... uh, the nuances, the nuances, the references, the layers, the ideas. I also, I got the mind of the mastermind. Head, but got a really good mark for it. Oh yes, so, congratulations on that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and my teacher said it was aesthetically sublime. So if you haven't like seen it visually, yeah, you need that's to your go cue. and do that. Like the link is in the bio. Yes, hit pause. Go um, do it. Come back. Rewind. No, listen to this. Okay. Listen to this, and then think about looking at it because today we've got a very special alternate companion text uh-huh. written by charles <laughs> from the mind of the mastermind yes <laughs> called called i'll teach you how to and it's um and if you don't know what that's a reference to this is not the podcast for you no um look it it's called i'll teach you how to but i'm really not feeling like explaining anything <laughs> or teaching it's not one thing it's not is didactic no no, 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 no. Um, there will be no teaching going on. I, I do teaching as a full-time job. I'm not interested in, um, you know, mixing business with pleasure. Um, not on this Mm-mm. podcast. Not not here. Not today. <laughs> uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> Act one. In bed with Madonna. The scene takes place at 7pm sharp on 27th Street in Chelsea, New York City, at a nightclub called Bed. In the place of a dance floor stands a series of beds. They are each empty, all but for one. Camille Parklia sits upright with her back against the headboard and her arm wrapped around Heidi. She is tucked in and ready for a bedtime story. In Swiss German, Heidi asks... Mama, erzähl mir bitte von der müden, gefesselten Mam in Lidegescher und der gemeinen nächten Dame mit der Nazi-Mütze. A translator, played by Sandra Bernhard, appears above the headrest and she repeats. Mommy, please tell me about the tired, tied-up man in the leather harness and the mean, bare-chested lady in the Nazi cap. Paglia replies. Okay, dear. Right after the milk and cookies. Let's get unconscious, honey. Paglia reads a nursery rhyme to the child. Madonna has lost her dignity and doesn't know where it went. Leave her alone and she'll come home. Soon she'll be ready to repent. Madonna fell asleep and dreamt of crowds a cheering. When she awoke, she found it a joke, for they were only jeering. Then up she took with her sex book, determined for to justify them. She justified her love indeed, but it made her heart bleed, for they'd left the music behind them. It happened one day as Madonna did stray into a bedtime story. There she espied their clocks ticking and all hung up in purgatory. She heaved a sigh and wiped her eye as she heard the Pentecostal choir chanting and tried what she could as a good songstress should to satisfy their demanding. (laughs) End scene. Act 2. Sex Ed at William McKinley High. The scene takes place in Ohio, on the set of Glee. 
What follows is a deleted scene of season one, episode 15, The Power of Madonna. I am played by Rachel Berry. My friend is played by Kurt Hamill. My friend's mother is played by Sue Sylvester. Rachel and Kurt skip holding hands from stage left of the auditorium. Kurt is wearing lederhosen and clutching at a stuffed plush toy lamb. Rachel is wearing a dirndl and carrying Madonna's 1992 sex book. The two of them sit down center stage and open the book. Madonna, simply saying the word aloud makes me feel powerful. How I've worshipped her ever since I was a little girl. Sorry, Angie Jolie, Catherine the Great. Madonna is the most powerful woman to ever walk the face of the earth. They giggle, skittish, pointing their hands and gawking at the images on the page. Sue Sylvester enters stage right. She approaches the two of them. Sue, look at what Kurt gifted me for my birthday. It's Madonna's sex book. (laughs) Sue is horrified (laughs) as she takes a step back and replies. Second hand? I wouldn't touch that thing with a 10-inch pole. Rachel and Kurt are horrified. They had forgotten that there was a time before playing with androgyny and transvestitism, before lukewarm experiments in voyeurism, pederasty, and bestiality were broadcast on television. They both take several steps back from the sex book. In an instant, Sue breaks into song with a powerful rendition of Madonna's To Have and Not To Hold. Like a moth to a flame only I am to blame. Do, 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 do. What can I do? Do, 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 do. I go straight to you. I've been told you're to have. <laughs> you're to have, not to hold. Rachel and Kurt watch from the audience as the entire cast of Glee joins Sue on the stage, all harmonizing. We live in a post-Glee society. Rachel, we live in a post-Madonna society. They both applaud as Sue belts out her final notes. End scene. Act 3. On the road to New York City. The scene takes place on a highway in Bay City, Michigan. I write at a moment when Madonna's career is in an unprecedented trough. A woman stands on the curb with her right arm outstretched and her thumb raised. It's hitchhiking Madonna, hilariously nude except for high heels and a purse. Most of the cars pass her by. Nobody is interested in her ratty blonde hair extensions and artificially swollen cheeks, obscuring the magnificent classic bone structure that made her one of the most photogenic celebrities of the 1990s. Some vehicles slow down to heckle her. Old. Has been. I can't do this. Desperate. (laughs) Untalented. Nobody offers her the chance to hitch a ride. Tour bus with the cast of Striker Pose blares its horn. The dancers are voguing and hurling insults at her. Thief! Yells Louis Camacho. Salim Gualuz spits in her direction. Traitor! Oliver Crooms Jr. screams. Lying bitch! Viciously. In the following vehicle, Gwyneth Paltrow is in the driver's seat of a convertible with the top down. Jean-Michel Basquiat sits next to her. 
You're a sellout! Yells Basquiat. The two of them cackle. Stop cannibalizing the young. Leave that to those of us a goo. Paltrow piles on, driving them out of frame. Dennis Rodman is close behind, driving along the highway. He is wearing a face full of makeup, a blonde wig, a white wedding dress, and a matching veil. You're bad in bed, and I refuse to have your baby! He hollers at her as he throws a bouquet of blue hydrangeas. Suddenly, a neon yellow ute with red flames on the bonnet enters the frame and pulls up. It's the pussy wagon, and Camille Paglia is behind the wheel. Madonna gets into the ute and sits her bare ass on the passenger seat. As Paglia turns to her, she says... You've been a very bad girl. A very, very bad, bad girl, Madonna. Madonna replies. I felt like I was doing the ultimate taboo, you know? You're not allowed to be in public without your clothes on. Only children are allowed to be in public without their clothes on. It was very freeing, in a way. I felt like a child again, just running in the streets naked. Camille Paglia turns away. She can't bear to look at her naked passenger. The thing with you and me, for example, is that... She pauses. I admired you always, and... I still admire you, no matter what you might think of me. Madonna rolls her eyes as she grabs the rearview mirror and checks herself out. Paglia carries on with her monologue. No, I do. The only thing that really bothers me about you is that, like, I'm Italian and I'm from New York, you know? So, like, if I've got a problem with somebody, I'm going to tell you to your face. But no matter how much respect I have for you as a performer, I could never wrap my head around the fact that you wouldn't look me in the eye and tell me that I'm or whatever. (laughs) Madonna is acting like a child. Her only retort is the question, why do I have to explain everything? Paglia continues. Like I saw it on fucking TV. Telling me that you think I'm a piece of shit through the media is like, it's like a guy passing at me, like a note through his friend. My buddy thinks you're hurt. He's he's like, fuck you. Where's your buddy fucking throwing me up against the wall and kissing me? I just want you, Madonna, to fucking push me up against the wall and kiss me and tell me I'm a piece of shit. (laughs) Madonna waits for a moment to reply. And with a straight face, she does just that. Here, she speaks honestly as an artist to her audience, heart to heart, below the level of that increasingly tiresome sexual persona that has run out of taboos to break. I'll give you love. I'll hit you like a truck. I'll give you love. I'll teach you how to. And by the way, any similarity between characters and events depicted in the screenplay and real persons and events is not only purely coincidental, it's ridiculous. Nothing in this screenplay is true. I made it all up. Erotica. Um, so that was I'll Teach You How To. Yeah, how do you read the title, I'll Teach You How To? I'll Teach You, you How kind To. You have to. Uh. I don't know, you have to. You have to, like, do it with a certain, like, rhythm and, like, cadence. Otherwise, it doesn't... It, it's, like, I teach you how to... Um, so when I first read this, I I was excited by it because it's, it's like, it's very, like, Laura and Charles' greatest hits. Mm-hmm. Like, it's very a cross-section of our interest areas. Mm-hmm. I'd actually written this poem and, like, sent it to you a while earlier as, like, as, like, something that I wrote for class. Do you mind if I read it? Yes, please. It's, like... I'm dying for it. It's, like, a quick little thing. Okay. Um, you'll see, like, when it ends up, like, what I mean. So, hashtag Tina Arena is trending right now. Tina Arena is an Australian singer. Tina Arena, I think, is Italian, and I think she's Calabrese, like me. But then again, maybe I'm getting confused with Natalie Imbruglio, who is definitely Calabrese, and my grandfather saw her dad a lot because he was a chiropractor. (laughs) Tina Arena has a perfect name for a singer, because I bet 
an arena of people would pay to see her. <laughs> and the person who was once my dad used to say her name funny with a broad and affected Australian accent. The person who used to be my dad changed her name to Carol. But I bet the joke about Tina Arena's name stayed the same. Tina Arena once played Evita in an Opera Australia production. I didn't sell tickets there then, but when I did, they told me patrons wanted refunds when the other Evita was on. Is she Australia's Madonna? Only Madonna can be Madonna. Like when she said, bitch, I'm Madonna. Madonna thinks everyone wants to be Madonna. Tina Arena is not my favourite singer. Lady Gaga is my favourite singer. She is also Italian like me, and Tina Arena, and Madonna. <laughs> Camille Paglia Stop. is also Italian. Her least, <laughs> her least favourite singer is Lady Gaga, and her most favourite is Madonna. Madonna hates Camille Paglia and Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga just wants Madonna to push her up against a wall and kiss her. I wonder what Tina Arena thinks about Madonna. <laughs> Laura. <laughs> so I thought yeah, that there's, there's a strong relationship between the two yes. texts because it's like... Yes, definitely. That's what, it, that's what we're thinking about constantly is Madonna and Lady Gaga wanting Madonna to push her up against a wall and yes. kiss her and Camille Paglia having this like parasocial, parasexual relationship with, with Madonna. Yeah, I would describe and it as And you obsessive. sent me a really great essay. Yeah. Was it... Yeah, would you? Was it from Vamps and yeah, Tramps? Yeah, with me. Vamps and Tramps. Um, there's two. So anyway, episodes. she's talk. She's talking about um the sex book, which we have you know a relationship mm-hmm. with. We're interested mm-hmm. in it. We're interested in in sex mm-hmm. as conceptualized by Madonna when she released yeah, when she sex, sex in 1992. And she said, "Ladies and gentlemen, she invented sex. Sex." And um. And she's talking about, you know, uh, Madonna and, like, her bisexuality. Someone lent me this, like, amazing book that's, like, this, like, lesbian sexpert, like, whoever, critical mm-hmm. writer who's interviewing Paglia. And she's talking to Paglia and she's saying, like, how how can we win with you when everyone everyone fails you? Lesbians fail you. Sex fails you. You're impressed by, like, the, the virility of men, but, like, what's what's your sexuality doing? And she was... She was kind of, you know, doing all this posturing and being like, you know, um, it was, it's difficult because she's so sly. She, she's trying to be like, well, a woman could never have as much kind of like sexual potency or virility as, as a man, but she is a lesbian and blah, 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 and all this bullshit. And she goes, you know, what really impresses me is Madonna and how she's like, (laughs) at some interviewer was like, Madonna's waxing lyrical about sex with women and um, then the interviewer... And then she's like, but I really want a woman to fuck me. And then the interviewer kind of giggles and gets embarrassed and whatever. And she's like, well, but there are, like, strap-ons for that. And Paglia was kind of just venerating this this little moment of Madonna stepping into the the um, the virility, Interesting. You know? Yeah, I think um, their yeah. relationship is very, very perplexing. Mostly because there's just so much to read from Paglia about Madonna. And I guess I found fell down a rabbit hole a few weeks ago. Um, I was... At first, I was researching, like, why... So, um, Madonna 
obviously released this, um, she released Sex uh, in 1992 and she had this like release party for it in New York City where she like wore like a dirndl, she was dressed as like Little Bo Peep and she carried like a stuffed toy lamb and I just thought it was like super demented and like quite wild that she was like kind of creating this connection between the the bedtime story of um, Little Bo Peep and all these things and I wanted to get to the bottom of it but in my kind of um, deep diving of research online I actually just fell down a rabbit hole of reading Paglia commentary on Madonna and realizing that it's been going on for like 30 years she's just been like writing yeah daily mail articles <laughs> for the last th- yeah amongst yeah amongst other things amongst other you things, know? of course and um and yeah I, I I think I got so confused because I knew we had briefly mentioned that like Paglia was a big supporter of Madonna in the past and then I discovered that there had been some sort of like souring of this um, perspective. And I realized that it was based on this like um, billboard, like woman of the year award that Madonna got in, um, I want to say 2016. I don't know. And um, she like deliberately like named exclusively named Paglia as like a critic um, who like set, who said that Madonna set women back and that, um, you know, she was shaming her for her version of, I don't know, sexual liberation and all these things. And it's just like so muddled up and like confused. I think, yeah, but also Polly is the kind of like, you know, public intellectual who, because she's like a provocateur, like it'll always, the argument will always be like, well, you misinterpreted Mm. like my whatever, like whenever, whenever, like that's the kind of like stand up to any kind of critique because the point is that she's oppositional. Mm. So if you were to agree with her, she would say you're manipulating her <laughs> words. She would be like, that's a slippery, you know, slippery yeah, interpretation. It's sort of a ending, like you know. um, back and forth, I guess. Because she's like, yeah, it's like she's like the anti intellectual, intellectual, yeah, right, you know, public right. intellectual. And I, um, I was really yeah. interested in, um, how her commentary uh, evolved over time and reading some of her essays from the 90s and then comparing them to the way that she talks about Madonna now. And so I, um, there was just, there was such a sort of like sharp tongue to them. And, um, mm-hmm. and so I kind of, I was interested in the way that Paglia, Paglia kept talking about how um, she always wanted to interview Madonna and um, all these sort of like um, news groups and media, I don't know, I don't even know what to call them, like the equivalent of like so many publications, publications exactly. like approach Paglia they, they really wanted being them like, to we sit want down you to together and, and be in conversation. Just like when Kathy Acker yes. interviewed the exactly. Spice Girls for Vanity exactly. Fair. Exactly, we needed that. And um, it never came because apparently Madonna was like avoiding, um, avoiding it at all costs. She was turning down any kind of offer. Mm-hmm. Um, she just sort of had something against Paglia. She just kind of didn't want to be associated with her, I suppose. And um, so I kind of took like a lot of like, kind of like stole a lot of um, Paglia's writing and cut it up just in the same vein that Laura has done. Um, under the kind of inspiration of uh, Dottie Bellamy, um, as we kind of witnessed last 
last episode of the pod and um i kind of <laughs> stole some of paglia's commentary and like spliced it up and i wanted to create this like scene where they sit down and they have a conversation but it's like like finally what, yeah right finally. like um but like what would the context be and i thought it was just really funny to think of um this like road to new york city that madonna was on mm. in like 78 and um this kind of like um marry the night type story but then you like put it in a blender and you're mixing like all of these different somehow related but super like um disjointed kind of cultural moments and mm-hmm. i thought it would be really funny to have her like hitchhiking but it's like madonna in 2021 hitchhiking you know what i mean and it's like no one right no she's like a freak on the street that no one wants to pick up because they're like gawking at her and it's i don't know the the way that she was hitchhiking in the sex book there was like such a kind of yeah virility to her um mm-hmm. at that moment and i think she's tried to maintain that yeah. um and with you know with her own aging and the way that culture operates, there's been such vitriol about um, the way that she behaves and the way that she carries herself and the way that she ages um, and the disgrace to the way that she ages that that everyone, including Paglia, um, seems to um, perceive. And I just thought it would be really funny. And then I started to, it started to snowball and I was thinking about the telephone video where Gaga gets out of prison and the conversation that they have. And then I was thinking about five foot five feet two when Madonna, where Gaga is talking about Madonna. Um, and somehow this like monologue that, that Gaga said in, in the documentary about Madonna and the relationship they had this parasocial relationship and dynamic where it was actually really about sexual tension I, th- I just immediately had a light bulb moment where I was like, this is the exact same thing with Paglia and she's Italian and she's from New York. So it works contextually. You just mm. copy and paste. Mm. And um, I was just sitting behind the key- keyboard, like snooky, like what, what is it? Oh she my... says, Oh my God, this is going to oh be so God, bad. This is going to be so bad. Um, I had so much fun. I was like being so naughty. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said to Charles before, I was like, it's literally, alternate reality like crossover universe with glee self-insert fan fiction like that's what this is and i'm so there for that and um i think it's interesting the way we were both so like with state sexy i really felt this and with um this piece i'll teach you how to it it very much like speaks to our compulsion to want to like draw together all of these different contexts and make meaning out of it which feels like a very um postmodern kind of compulsion because um you know like Deleuze and Guattari's theory about like the rhizome and felt no it's very like all of these all of these different kind of like cultural axes or whatever or like symbols um uh not really hierarchical instead mm-hmm like felt which doesn't have a warp and a weft like a woven fabric does felt goes every which way the rhizome interacts like that like it it is just like this 
this plane of interconnected things. Yeah. And that's what these texts feel like to me. They feel rhizomatic. Right. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I think when I was like trying to conceptualize like how do I like make sense of um, all of these ideas, like I realized that I had to like um, fictionalize and um, self insert, speculate, and, speculate and, yeah. and make it ridiculous. And maybe it was lazy to um, steal the. I don't know, to cut it up from like real quotes, but I just felt that there was something really like funny about putting them in this car together and having them like talk to each other, but Mm. it's actually just them talking about Mm. each other to other people and kind of, I don't Mm. know, turning Mm. the conversation inward. I don't know. I don't know if it, if it feels like it's like a real, yeah, it's like a a real life continuum interacting with like this speculative pop culture Mm -hmm. work. You know what I mean? Where you're thinking about like, how do these, how do these things like interconnect? Like, how can I, how can I, what are the degrees of separation between Paglia and Madonna and right. Kurt Hummel and Rachel right. Berry? Well, um, yeah, the Glee thing is a little bit of a, um, uh, was, was a little bit left field, left field, but I, um, so the act two, um, was me trying to, I don't know, self insert, uh, <laughs> and, um, experience that we've talked about 10 million times um which we never stopped talking about which is where laura bought me the sex book just such a pivotal moment in my um, oh wait can i do like a little reading before you go on yeah sure so this is i read this a couple weeks ago okay this this is like unedited so this is bad like i yeah anyway Jennifer Beals is having fake gay sex. Leah Seydoux is having fake gay sex. Lady Gaga is having fake gay sex. Lady Gaga is also having real gay sex. Madonna is having real gay sex and taking pictures of it to put in her sex book. I gave the sex book to my best friend on his 22nd birthday, which I didn't think was weird at the time, but then his friend's mum said a secondhand book of sex pictures was a dangerous thing to have, (laughs) which I think meant she was worried there was cum on it. What's a little cum from one gay best friend to another? (laughs) <laughs> i i think um there's something so special about me taking this gift and like being so proud of it and showing emma's mom and emma's mom being literally like horrified like disgusted yeah, by the yeah, idea of like yeah. not only the fact that i'm like willing to touch it but that you were willing to spend money on it and like significant money you know yes i'm like basically like a like the equivalent of like a um art school cum rag you know what i mean like oh my god that's great that's really you know it's like funny because i really didn't think of it as like an actual sex object you know what i mean i didn't think of it as like a as like a canvas if we're gonna like rewind back to if we're gonna like go and paint it with the cum like you know go back to episode whatever it was episode three yeah, we yeah, were talking about come, um, uh, come episode. Go and check out our come themed episode on our Patreon. But you're gonna have to like pay a pretty penny um, if you want to hear us talk about come. Um, yeah, if you need me to lend you three Australian dollars, like I want you to listen to the come episode. So yeah, the come episode is fun. Um, but look, I want to I want to move away from come. Just like oh. I said, I want to move. I want to go back to the cum. Well, I want to. I want to leave the cum behind. Yeah, I want to step the step away from the cum. <laughs> step away. <laughs> step away from the sex book, and um, I think Glee is like such an 
sort of pivotal um, mm. cultural mm. force mm. in like a specific generation of people yeah. from, um, you know, from our childhoods. We, yeah. we were watching Glee at um, <laughs> really important stages in our sexual development. Not only did I learn um, what sex was, but I also learned what music was from Glee. Like right, right, right. My the capacity of my music knowledge when I was a I don't know twelve year old watching Glee, it did not move beyond Madonna. Like Glee taught me other music than Madonna. You know, I wanted to somehow um, pay homage to my um, little uh, purple iPod Nano. Was it no mm. iPod Shuffle, which mm. um, which I only had the Celebration album. That rocks. Um, That's great. And I would just listen to that sort of um, yeah, on repeat. And I think the Power of Madonna episode was so incredibly brilliant. And I think, you know, Lev said it a million times. I continue yeah. to repeat it because I think it's very important to um, mm. to know we live in a post-Glee society. Um, yeah. And I do feel we live in a post-Madonna society as well. Right, right. I think the the reason why post-Glee society, like, sticks so hard is because, like, Madonna has longevity. Like, even, even in people saying that she, pardon me, does not have longevity, like, means something because she has that, that, um, that lasting effect. And we're talking about what, you know, aging looks like and having conversations like that about time. Because Glee is so contained and um harkens to like such a specific period and like during it we got like you know in america at least like gay marriage like repeal prop a like da 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 you can you really really can tell the divide between pre and post glee society yeah for gay people specifically i'm just gonna say that's what we're talking about we're talking about how the cultural (laughs) perception of gay people changed during (laughs) during the years that glee was airing Uh uh-huh uh-huh. Yeah. I mean that's what we're referring to, right? And I think I think Glee is very postmodern mm. because it's like this um because it, it's pastiche. Like part of the kind of rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's it was um in this kind of position where it would like uh re refeed us these like old songs, but it would like put them through this like teen um like teeny bopper like lens yeah, perspective like... and and like the the way that these like sexually um promiscuous like horny delusional aspirational like mm. um narcissistic teenagers like i am rachel berry that's what i'm telling you like all of the worst things that i see in her I see in myself. I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Like don't that's know. like like that's like okay, but like <laughs> no, I don't even know what to tell you. I just think I just think Glee is really important. Um, the same things that led me to Madonna were the same reasons that I like enjoyed um, watching Glee. I don't know. Glee was like super taboo in my house. Like I was like not right. like allowed to watch it because it was like. Not, it wasn't just that it had bad values or that it was, like, a corrupting force. Like, it was not allowed because it was so lowbrow. Mm-hmm. And that's why 
my dad didn't want us watching it but then my dad also like loved rocky horror so like when the rocky horror episode came on like we watched it because it was like very much this cultural phenomena reinterpreting this like nostalgic thing for people of our parents age yeah um and i remember that that it felt so taboo watching the show felt so taboo that when um my friend and i got to high school so this this guy like Obviously, was a Glee fan, a faggot, and we went from a Glee. glee. Pardon me, I don't know the lingo because I, like I said, I wasn't allowed to engage with it in that way. So we got to we went from primary school to being in high school, and suddenly he was, you know, not allowed to be a a Glee, and so he invented this imaginary sister that he never had. He had a little brother, and he said, "Oh, you know, my sister likes to watch Glee, like." And so, like, mm-hmm. I, sometimes I'll be there and, like, an episode will come on. And, like, that's, like, you know, it's because she likes it. You know, my sister, like, whatever. Oh God, like, why would you... sister. Why would you go and invent... It's very, like, like the, the imaginary but, but Glee, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, <laughs> that kid grew up. His name... <laughs> no, I'm joking. But, um... <laughs> I'm joking, but I had my experience with glee this year so i i like i said it was it was low brow i wasn't allowed to watch it and then i just thought it was embarrassing like anything ryan murphy like people started watching american horror story i was like that's embarrassing because at the time i was watching like sophia coppola films or something like an asshole like not even enjoying them so anyway i left high school and then oh it was actually it was this year um i was hanging out with literally bestie of the pod the really wife of the pod sophie and she uh-huh. made me watch the britney episode of glee oh my god so good and then i came down with an eight week illness and uh-huh. i watched the i watched all of glee i loved Everything. it i got it of course you know like it's yeah just i like, think that's the whole reason why i wanted to include the glee thing because glee was like this kind of yeah, it was like a phenomena, cultural taboo. It was about like protecting children from like this corrupting force. And when I was watching all these interviews of Madonna um, mm-hmm. around the early 90s, it was a lot of conversations of like protecting the the hypothetical child. And like, what if, yeah. what will the child think if they, if they turn on MTV and they see Madonna like getting ridden like a farm animal or they see like her standing on the street naked, like... Um, I thought it was really interesting that, you know, this, these things are always related back to the child and okay. Mm. I was the child watching Glee yeah. and I fucking loved it. Um, yeah, we ate that. Well, some children ate that shit up <laughs> under the guise children of having stay little loving Glee. Like they will love, like your children will literally be obsessed. If you have children, um, turn on Glee. <laughs> like if I'm yeah. ever in a position where I have to babysit, I've never in my 23 <laughs> years of life have had to babysit anyone. You're gonna like put is, on Glee. That's gonna be the I'm like gonna, education. I'm gonna be like, uh, do you guys have you ever seen Glee? <laughs> like, <laughs> you're gonna be nervous. You're like, um, guys, like, what are we gonna do? Uh, 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 uh well, there's always Glee. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> I think that's what I would have to like resort to at this point. Yeah, I think at this point resorting to glee is not such a bad thing no it's not a bad call because the, the thing about great. madonna and the thing about glee is that now in 2021 it's like there's like nothing there's nothing um challenging about these ideas right like they, right it's very much like what's no the longer, last they don't hold their yeah exactly 
Wait, what did you say? What is the last taboo? You know, it's like we've done. We did Madonna. We did Glee. We did. Yeah. We did Pierce. We I've did done Kamal. Madonna. Madonna and I I've did done it. Madonna. We did I it. I did it with the whole cast of Glee. That's what I'm trying I to tell it. you. I was on the set. We did it together. Oh. Um, um, for those of you who don't know, in high school, I was a cross-dresser and I did look like Kurt Hummel. And I will attach yes. a picture if you want to see it. <laughs> Maybe that should be the cover image <laughs> of our episode. <laughs> I'm not Madonna. I'm not Madonna. Bitch, I'm Madonna. <laughs> um, <laughs> like when yeah. she said, bitch, I'm Madonna. Anyway. Like when she said... <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny when you read that because that is so like it literally reads like what I was writing when I was three years old like this is my friend and I like this friend but I don't like this friend like that's how it <laughs> I read. just think to me it's very much like um to me like making art like writing stuff is already so stupid and convoluted and Mm -hmm. like really just like these weird forms of abstraction about your feelings and connections to things that it's just like why not make it explicit you know i like that if you want to write about madonna just pretend you're camille palio confessing your love to madonna through lady gaga's words like it's that simple you know right right like i I get it charles you want to have sex with madonna like it's okay (laughs) well look Maybe, maybe I do. <laughs> Did you hear that? And what the fuck is that? <laughs> of course. There's some industrial um, noises. It's Madonna. She's, she's setting up her sex swing in the apartment next door. Um, <laughs> do you think maybe this construction around me is our cue yeah. <laughs> to um, wrap it up like um, we wrap up our Madonna sex book? Um... And put it in, in a very our safe foil place. packaging. In our... <laughs> um, sure, let's wrap. Let's do let's, it. Um, let's do that. And um, anyone wants me to write a poem um, dedicated to them, that's actually included in the highest tier of our Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you were, if you would like us to write um, fan fiction <laughs> about you and your favorite um, pop divas. <laughs> then just head on over to our Patreon where you can subscribe to being a holy fool. And um, we also do complimentary karaoke where we sing new songs, just like we did earlier in this episode. Yeah, it's Um, kind of like a lullaby, but like also like a serenade. But also like a lullaby that will like put you like... On edge. like not it won't, it won't like calm you down it will have quite an opposite effect um but yeah if you want to feel like that subscribe to the holy fool tier and and i will write self-insert fan fiction with the pop star of your choice <laughs> exactly and we also give styling advice um <laughs> Charles and I are really stylish. We never post pictures of our outfits, but that's just because it would be really frightening. (laughs) You have to have faith that actually we're we've got good taste. Um, In spite of especially us put together. Yeah. Wow. It's kind of like that thing where like a negative and a negative equals a positive. No, it's no, it's not like that at all. It's actually a lot like Trini and Susanna. And the work that they did for women in the (laughs) two thousands. The work. The way that they understood the assignment, um, the assignment was, you know... Understanding your body shape. Flattering silhouettes <laughs> and gorgeous curves and... Loving the skin you're in. 
<laughs> I'm so tired of loving the skin I'm in. <laughs> I want to love someone else's skin who's I'm not in. God. <laughs> does Madonna have a, a song called Skin? She does, yeah. Yeah. Put okay, your well. hands on my skin. What's that one? <laughs> Afraid of life. I, yeah, what is it? She's like, I'm looking to have a connection. Yeah, I love that connection, one. Connection, connection, Yeah. God. So, do we... Thank uh, you, Charles. Sink, do we seal it with a loving kiss? Seal it with a loving kiss. Mwah. Mwah. Ciao. Ciao.